0: Welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kaye, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Hello and welcome everyone to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. This week, my co host, Chris K., and I are interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to bring you a special episode 35. This week, it will be a tribute to Eddie Van Halen and a special head to head Van Halen, Van Halen 1 versus Van Halen 2. As many of you heard, Eddie Van Halen passed away recently after a long battle with tongue cancer. So, Chris and I decided that rather than continue with our regular topic, We would do a special episode dedicated to Eddie and the band.
1: Normally, Kenneth has a Rusty Metal pick and I have a Freshly Forged pick or an online pick of the week for you. But uh, this week, we're going straight into our topic after we discuss Eddie and his impact on us, as well as just Van Halen and their impact on us uh, through our lives. Uh, So we're going to still choose a big four. This week will be big four Van Halen albums because in a previous episode, we did our favorite Van Halen songs. So uh, we're going to do albums this week. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear which albums that we choose. If you missed last week, we picked our big four Amana Marth songs, so make sure to click subscribe and download the episode to check that out. Also, be sure to go to our Instagram at debating metal and leave a comment about your big four every week.
0: But before we begin, let's take a brief moment to go over last week's episode. Uh, Last week on episode 34, it was Amana Marth, Searcher Rising versus Deceiver of the Gods. We spoke a lot about Loki, Vikings, and other Norse mythology. To listen to what we said, download or stream the episode on all the major podcast platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. So do yourself and us a huge favor and click the subscribe button or to follow button on your PC, the app on your phone, or however you listen to podcasts, and you'll get our newest episode on your favorite device every Friday. And like always, please rate us or leave a review.
1: We also want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics. So if you agree with us or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. So why don't we talk a bit about how Eddie and Van Halen have affected our lives.
0: Sure. I discovered Van Halen at the early age of probably 10 or 11, something like that. I, I didn't catch him right away. I, MTV wasn't out yet. And a lot of people... I had heard the name Van Halen, the band name, from friends and from people that I knew. But there was that's I still had that distinct I'm a Kiss fan and I don't listen to that other stuff so when when I discovered AC/DC in the in the Let There Be Rock movie that was a little bit different and I I think I was like 12 or 13 maybe so it may it may have been a couple of years later that I discovered Van Halen as well when when I went out to buy Van Halen the the record I ended up buying buying Van Halen 2 instead and so I'm, I'm looking everywhere. I mean, literally like looking at the record going, Where, where's Eruption? How come there's no Eruption on here? I, instead, I got Spanish Fly. <laughs> so, so it was it was different. I, 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 I'm like, I didn't hear you really got me. I'm like, what did I buy? And then, you know, I look at the cover. And I'm like, crap, I bought Van Halen too, Because I didn't know what the cover looked like. I, it was just at a local record shop that was three blocks from my house. But even then, listening to that album was phenomenal. And just listening to the guitar work that Eddie did, it was just incredible. I mean, I, 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 I had never heard anything like it before. I mean, I've heard, you know, ACDC and just Priest and all those things, but Eddie was different. Eddie, his tone was different. His playing was different. You just knew that band had a different sound.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, there was something special there. I mean, there's there's a few musicians out there that... You can tell they just have something, something that other people don't have. It doesn't mean they're necessarily like better than anybody else, but there's just something about them that's so appealing. Guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, they they're they're somebody that kind of transcends their genre and can appeal to everyone. And uh, Eddie was one of those guys. And he, uh, I mean, the first time I heard Van Halen, I was mind blown. And I, uh, I mean, my earliest memories of them were really in the uh, the Sammy Hagar era because I, I mean, I was born in '86, so that was the time that he was in the band. So I went back later and and got into the early stuff, which I, I mean, I love just as much. I mean, we talked about it. We had a head to head where we we picked Sammy versus Dave, but it, I mean, as far as it really goes, I mean, it's I like both of them. I just have you know fonder memories of of that later time period but uh, there was something special in all the music that he put out I mean it it just was something I could listen to over and over I mean I used to make my own greatest hits albums of both of the you know the eras of the band I would have like my my David Lee Roth disc and I would have my my Sammy disc and I, I listened to those so much in the car and one of my favorite memories was that the, the first song that I ever did karaoke was Jump by Van Halen. It was one of those moments where, you know, being a, a shyer, you know, kid, um, you know, being at a party and, and everybody saying, oh, no, you, you got to do a karaoke song, you got to do a karaoke song, and just not finding anything that I knew and then all of a sudden i see van halen on there and i'm like wow i'm i'm comfortable now i can do van halen <laughs> yeah. you know it, it's just you know memories like that when, when i heard that he had passed away you know we're not we're not celebrities by any means we're not we're you know we're not in the insider we don't even know van halen but when you read words like wolfie left where he said you know i love you pop you know that hits me hard I, I, you know, for me, it was just it, the rest of the day was kind of a bummer.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you and I were at work together, uh, you know, basically staring at each other, going, "The hell just happened," you know. Yeah. No. Uh, on my way home, you know, I just listened to Van Halen the whole way, and I I put on my favorite song, which was uh, I mean, I put I I jumped on my Spotify, put on my Van Halen playlist, and I searched for my favorite song, which is Mean Street, and I. Put that first song on, and then hit shuffle. After that, and and I just got to hear Eddie do that intro to that song, and then have that nasty, dirty, beautiful riff that he plays at the beginning of that song. It's so cool. I love that song so much. And and Eddie makes that song. I mean, he's he plays harmonics, he plays his little two finger, you know, tap, and he's got it all in that little intro guitar solo. Mm-hmm. I love that song. And, you know, David sings with Attitude. The whole band plays that song with Attitude, and it's really cool. And I just listened to Eddie on the way home and, and, and feeling the impact that he had with all those songs. I mean, it was, it's just, a, you know, every album, hit after hit after hit after hit. I mean, it, it's, it's rare to have something yeah. like that and, and, you know, to have all your platinums. And, and, and look, let's, let's, let's be honest. The Van Halen 3 experiment with Gary Sharon was a bust. the the reunion with Sammy Hagar as much as everybody wanted it um, and and not to speak ill but Eddie turned that into a disaster Um, but for the most part everything before that was was you know super super successful I mean the tour itself that last final tour with Sammy was successful but it was it was a personal issue between Eddie and Sammy that made that a disaster of a tour for them so and then that was the last time they spoke until recently
1: yeah <clears throat> one thing one thing is we talked about this earlier you know it, it's funny for i guess for a lot of people that you from somebody that's an outsider could say well you know van halen hasn't done anything in years we haven't really seen eddie in so long etc but there, if you're a fan of a band you always kind of hold out hope that they're going to do something else and there was always that possibility um so you know it's one of those 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 things that you just you you try to just keep believing you know someday we're going to hear something new we're going to uh you know get a farewell concert something um and and so that was always kind of in the back of my mind like even though we they haven't done anything since really 2012 they've done you know the 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 live album that came out after that but they haven't put else put anything else out recently you know, I was, I, in my mind, I was always like, well, there's, there's always time.
0: Yeah. And, and as you know, and as we, we are all aware of,
1: painfully aware,
0: time is limited. And as, as much as we say, oh yeah, yeah I'll do that tomorrow. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of it later. I'll take care of it tomorrow. Man, live for today. Every, you know, I, I try to do it. I, I, And I'm a big procrastinator. I admit that. I always tell my wife, I'll take care of it Saturday. I'll take care of it tomorrow. I'll take care of it Friday. I'm a big procrastinator. And as much as that is annoying, because I know it, you know, I, I still, for the most part, live for today in general. Because even though I'm pushing off a small project or something to the next day or to the weekend or whatever, you know, I don't take for granted that tomorrow... I might not be here because none of us know, you know, when that time's going to come, you know, for Eddie, he probably knew a little bit more than we did as far as what, what was wrong with him and, and what was happening. Obviously he kept a very, very private life and, and, and more power to him. Not a lot of people can, and he was extremely private and, and that's great. Fans wanted more and that's, it's always the way it is you know now you know people are listening to van halen their sales are going to go up and their streams are going to go up a million times you know more than they than they were and that's great because you know we're 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 wanting what we can't have now even though yes you know 2 days ago we could have it and we didn't care as much you know and that and that's the, that's the weird way of approaching things it, there's nothing you can do about it to change that approach because we took for granted that Eddie was here and now he's not, mm-hmm. you know. But what an amazing legacy this man and this band left behind. I mean, it, it was the for 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 almost from beginning to end, it was almost the ultimate party. Every time they took the stage, and they were awesome. He was awesome. Truly.
1: All right, so why don't uh, we move on to our main topic and uh, discuss Van Halen 1 versus Van Halen 2.
0: You got it. Let's do this. Van Halen 1. All right, so Van Halen 1 was recorded, or actually, excuse me, Van Halen 1 was released in 1978 on Warner Brothers Records. Uh, It was produced by Ted Templeman and recorded at the Sunset Sound Recorders in Hollywood, California. The amazing thing about this album and most of their albums, select a few, let's say, they sound modern. They're very they're good. Timeless. And they're, they're tim- Exactly, they're timeless. You know, in my opinion, Van Halen, uh, Van Halen 1 doesn't sound like it was recorded in 1977. It, it, there's a brightness quality about the recording that is still refreshing when you hear it today. I mean, it does not sound dated whatsoever. Any of their albums
1: well i think i think that's not just just the recording quality but also the fact that they only used the basic instruments and there was nothing like really that dates it to a specific time like in 1984 as good of an album as it is as all you know as as classic as it is it's still very dated to the time period because of the use of, of the synthesizer etc so you can in the name obviously but 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 1984 feels that way whereas the early Van Halen albums they just feel like a rock album that could have come out really at any time
0: exactly yeah Van Halen obviously 1984 was the first one to use keyboards and that was the one where you begin to hear that change in style i mean mm-hmm. i was going to say when you when you talk about being put, pigeonholed into a particular time period 1984 starts it and 5152 because of that uh, the the giggle stick song on <laughs> why can't this be love that 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 keyboard just has that weird sound to it weird tone to it 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 mm-hmm. definitely puts it into that time frame
1: yeah it does i mean th- that that kind of sound is coming back it's very popular with synthwave um but yes it definitely puts it into that time period these songs they're still classic today i mean as far as you know the the simplicity of what they put out but still like the music being so i guess i would say visionary at the time you know it's just something different that people weren't doing
0: oh absolutely okay so the van halen 1 uh and, and it's not named van halen 1 it's just van halen the first album the debut album well,
1: colloquially called right, exactly. van halen 1 now right yeah.
0: so side 1 song 1 running with the devil and you have that weird bass intro come in and then you know you just get that thump from from Michael and it goes into the the main part of the song
1: well the little piano riff right there that
0: yeah and the the genius behind that song is that nobody other than you know people within the circle of the band nobody knows what's about to come on the rest of the album no mm-hmm. one knows what's going to even come on the rest of the song the, but it, and and the rest of the song doesn't even give it away it's amazing how they did that in in you know let's say they knew that that what was the deal they they knew they were going to come in with a song that was a simple song that wasn't too much instrumentation that there wasn't too much going on that was going to give away what Eddie Van Halen was capable of, and you know David Lee Roth, you know, is throwing in his typical screams here and there. But even when they go into the to the, to the solo, it's it's like almost two measures long, maybe oh not not two measures, but let's say eight measures tops, and it, it just. Cuts in and out, goes into that little kazoo sound, and that's basically it. And the the solo is not extremely, you know. There's not a lot. There's no, you know, finger tapping. There's no pull offs or anything. No hammer ons. It's just a, a straight solo, a little bit bright for his his tone, but nothing. There's nothing to give away.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the simpler songs on the album, but it's it's a great opener because of what is coming and it's it the message of the song you know running with the devil it's it's kind of a play on the you know how people perceived rock music Mm -hmm. and it's it's just a it's a fantastic opener to like because i'm usually more of a proponent of starting the album off hard and you know hitting with a with a great opening track and then maybe slowing it down from there but this is this to me was like the the, if if i had to pick any of the songs on this album to say we're going to start it off with with this it's this and it's mostly because of the message of the song and then how it leads into eruption it's just it's perfect
0: exactly and in, in exactly what you mean leads into eruption so the song ends and you have this you know this this few seconds of of silence and then in comes this guitar solo and there you could not have picked a better name for a song for a guitar solo than eruption because that is exactly what that song did it erupted and you know everybody who was a guitar player everybody who was a musician you know when they put that Cassette in, or they put that vinyl on their turntable, and they put that needle on that song you know it took them the entire thirty seconds to pick their face off the floor because <laughs> because they 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 did not know they they just didn't realize what they had just experienced for that you know thirty seconds or or minute thirty whatever it is. it is incredible what Eddie does in that song, and no no one had ever heard anything like it before.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's even better because it comes in so under the radar following Running with the Devil. It's it it's a song that's, you know, pretty um well-paced that, you know, it it leads into this uh, and I'm referring to Running with the Devil and then you get into Eruption and it just it, it's like you're you're uh watching a, a space flight in the 1970s and it's, you know, taking off and shooting out into outer space and just just a concept that was new and fresh and and just crazy to see and in this uh, in this instance here but yeah just wild
0: yeah I mean think about it. this is 1978 so he's been doing this for a few years now okay but in 1978 KISS released their solo albums the biggest one of the bigger bands was the Eagles at the time uh for America you know Electric Light Orchestra was was big on the radio Um Fleetwood Mac was big on the radio. Uh, Boston had just released the year before their, their, their debut album. So, you know, an ACDC in 1978 released Powerage right around the same time. I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, so there's, you know, an ACDC wasn't even big in the United States at this point, you know, Aerosmith was, was self-destructing at this point. Uh, So, you know, this, you know, Black Sabbath was self-destructing at this point, as Van Halen would basically put the nail in the coffin, you know, the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, So no one, no one was playing like that. I mean, Tony a is a guitar a guy, guitar but he could he can't play like that, you know. Yeah, a, diff-
1: a different type of
0: guitar oh, Exactly. God. I
1: mean, the master of creating a, a catchy riff, whereas Eddie, he had great catchy riffs, but he also had... He was almost like a a mixture of the the you know a lot of the guys that are that are known for their crazy guitar work, but still being able to create a tune that people could get into. There was a balance there that Eddie had that a lot of the guys like say of Ingvae Malmstein, you know, he you know he just he creates a few tunes that yeah are catchy, but not that with that same type of mass appeal, but. Eddie also had that guitar work of a guy like him where he just, he was just the best of both worlds to to, no pun intended.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. And I mean, Eddie was a musical genius and it hadn't even touched the surface yet of how good he could, he could be. Yeah. I mean, David knew how good he was. David Lee Roth. I mean, he, he, he made Eddie not face the crowd sometimes early on so that no one could see what he was doing because he knew that what he was doing was different and special. Mm -hmm. You know, George Lynch was, was around at that time. George Lynch was, was actively playing. And and so he, he was kind of friendly with Eddie. So they kind of talked and stuff like that. And and, because they weren't from the same area, Uh, Randy Rhodes was, was in the same circle of friends. So they knew each other and they would, you know, go back and forth and see you know, see each other in concert. And so they had a very good mutual respect for each other. He was but there was still something about Eddie that was far superior at that time. And that's just, that's how good he was and that. And that's what he displayed in eruption. Mm-hmm. So eruption ends, you know, and everyone's picking their jaws off the floor, or, you know, trying to put their face back on their skulls well. and, in comes Eddie with that riff for You Really Got Me. Even though it's a familiar riff to many people out there, just the way they play that song, I mean, they, they literally made that song their own. You you ask people nowadays who sings that song You Really Got Me, and I would say 95% of the people are going to sit there and say that's a Van Halen song, not realizing it's a cover of a Kinks song.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to pick the the Van Halen version of the song over the Kinks You know, just for instrumentation purposes, but they they really took that song and made it their own in a way, just based on the way they played. It's a pop song, you know. It's not really a rock song, but they turned it into a rock song.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is one. You know, for the Kinks, it was one of the the first songs that that they played. It wasn't even a distorted guitar. They played a blown speaker. And that's how they recorded uh, the the that tone on that guitar, huh. but but Eddie, you know, he came out. You know, he had his own tone, and he would master it more. And I was just reading today. I was looking at it's funny. I was looking at his Facebook page, or what what is the connection between Instagram and Facebook? And Eddie Van Halen's page popped up, and I'm looking at his pictures, his profile pictures, and he was you know for the last couple of years he was he was. Not active, but he would change his picture and post stuff about Wolfie and stuff like that. But he posted the picture for Van Halen one, and talked about how he recorded it real briefly. And cool. it was he, he had a, cool. Shure, a a Shure fifty seven mic or a Shure fifty eight. I can't remember which one he said. And he had uh, his uh, a Marshall amp and a four by twelve slanted head cabinet with four speakers, and some some little little device that was between the mic and and the the board that was it he did the whole album like that mm. you know and and, and it's amazing because th- he has some really good tone on that album it's, it, at, at times it's a little thin but that might just be the, the 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 key of the song but still i mean you you hear you really got me and that thing just rocks yeah you know
1: and and before anybody gets mad at me I'm i'm aware that the kinks are technically a rock band i just i just mean by like Today's standards of what you think of as rock, You Really Got Me, is not really a rock song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the Van Halen version truly is.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, moving on, now we you know we go to, uh, now we're getting to the, the second or third, if you want to call it that, original piece by Van Halen, and it's Ain't Talking About Love, which is a staple of their set. I mean, it, Sammy played that song. It was a definitive staple, and that coming out of out of you really got me. You can you you hear this? I mean, the guitar work on that song is amazing.
1: Hmm. It's it's one of my favorite Van Halen songs by far. Uh, it's it's just one of those those songs like that from that opening riff. It just it just captures something. That magic that we talked about with the band, you know, that there was there's an intricacy to the to the music, but at the same time, it's so listenable, so followable that it it's so good. I, I want to say there was some overdubbing on this song, wasn't there? With the with the sitar, the electric sitar. I mean,
0: there's there's pro- I, I, I don't remember. It. I didn't catch the details on it. As, as much as I said it was just the four of them yeah there may be overdubs here and there I mean obviously the, the yeah gu-
1: it's still just the four of them right it, it, it's Eddie playing the electric sitar on the, the solo he he plays the same tune on the electric sitar as he does you know on the guitar so he's overdubbing himself mm-hmm. uh, with both which gives it that kind of um I don't know. I don't know the best way to put it, but it's it. It's the sound of a sitar in the background, and it flows so well. You mo- you probably wouldn't even notice it if you didn't know that there was two instruments playing there.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the the Wikipedia page uh, about this song, and Eddie Van Halen wrote the song, and he didn't think it was good enough to give to the band. That he didn't show it to him for almost a year.
1: Oh my God!
0: After he wrote it, <laughs> and then he he said it was supposed to be a, a parody of a punk rock song. And, you know, a stupid thing to us or to, you know, talking about them and just two chords. But you see, just two chords. But you think about the detail in that first lick or that first riff.
1: There's Mm -hmm. a lot
0: going on there. It's not just two chords. I mean, it is, but there's a lot of notes. And so he says it didn't end up sounding punk, but that was the intention. And then then it says the guitar solo was overdubbed with an electric sitar.
1: Okay. There you go.
0: Still, it's it, the the sound that's on that song is incredible. What was really cool about "Ain't Talking About Love" is that you get the first real hint of what kind of songwriter Eddie Van Halen is and what the band's going to be about. Because that song has got a lot of stuff going on. It, it, it's you know, "Running with the Devil" to me is like an early, early song where they you know they first got together and say, "Oh, let's you know see what we got going on." But Ain't Talking About Love, as you can tell, as much as they wanted to, you know, he wanted to make it a parody of a punk song, there's a lot going on in that song that makes that song really good. And you can see their songwriting abilities are are coming together at that point.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So the next song is uh, I'm the One. It's a little different than what we had just heard, but... I'm the one is is kind of one of those those uh David Lee Roth led songs. And uh the but the the guitar work in the back is interesting because it really goes along with the the tune that David's singing. It's very interesting. I've always liked the track. So you, we've got a whole whole side of the album that from beginning to end is just classic I don't wanna skip a track.
0: Absolutely not. The the thing about this song which is pretty cool is that it goes to show you the diversity that the band has. You've got this band, which is basically a party band, and they got uh, you know, a mature song like A Talk About Love, which is really weird because when you think about the the joke that it was supposed to be and you say, you know, and it's just a simple song, but there's a lot of maturity in that compared to a song like this, which mm-hmm. is basically a... For lack of a better term, a ripoff of a sixties song you know they're they're doing you know they, they, they had that throwback style to to the songwriting styles of the sixties, but at the same time, the song has everything in it it's got speed, there's just dexterity, it's got harmonies, you know the the background vocals the, the way they're singing and, and, and that that became a staple, and that became what van Halen was known for one or one of the things they were known for, which was their background vocals.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike, Michael Anthony's background vocals have always been incredible. I mean, that was that was one of my gripes with the band in in recent years. Is, you know, I I really do uh, have a respect and appreciation for, you know, Eddie having Wolfgang in the band. That's his own son. You know that there's there's a connection there. I, there, that's incredible. That Wolfgang will always have those those years playing with his dad on stage. But that being said, I mean, as as fans, it's hard to see the relationship with Michael, who had been in the band for so long, fall apart. And part of what made that band so great was that, you know, his vocals were part of it. You know, Mm -hmm. they really enhanced the sound. And this this is one of those songs that you're 100 percent right. It really does show. And his bass line on this song is incredible, too. So there's I mean, there's so much chemistry at this point in the band. They have so much chemistry. They're so good together. And, uh, I mean, another banger, five tracks in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wrote here, Eddie throws in licks galore throughout the song. And it shows mm-hmm. the, it sh- the song shows the listener that Van Halen's not afraid to write a different kind of song. This is, you know, now we're, we're, we've got three original songs and three completely different types of songs. So then they, mm-hmm. they go into the next song, Jamie's Crying, which is a, 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 a hit for them. But when you think about the kind of song it is, it's just you know I, I I look at it as this campy little ditty about a girl feeling guilty over a one night stand, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's not a lot to it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty simplistic, but it's catchy, and uh, Crazy it's, catchy. I think it's what, what really stands out is the guitar tone because it's so simplistic. You're getting the, you know, when it when it's other songs where he's riffing through like eruption. You're you're not really getting that sustained sound as much. So what's interesting about Jamie's crying is that even though it's kind of like a, almost like a ballad, it's, it's got those long sustained notes on it, and it's heavier for that reason.
0: Yes, it, it is. Um, it's a, f- it's a fun song, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the topic of it is kind of harsh, you know. And yeah. but you know you so it's like you're he, he almost being tugged in two different directions emotionally. And cool thing about the song, it was later sampled by Tone Loke for his hit single, Wild Thing in the late eighties, I believe it was, or early, no, early nineties, excuse me. So yeah. So that was, and, and that one was one of those where he asked permission from Van Halen and they, they just said, yeah, sure. And gave it to him. And really, I don't think they even got paid for it. It was a huge oh, wow. it was a huge song. I don't know the details on that one, but that was one of those where he just, he asked for permission to use it. They're like, sure, no problem. And uh look at that.
1: <laughs> Different time period.
0: Oh yeah. All right, so then we have Atomic Punk.
1: That's a great song. I've I've always loved Atomic Punk. Uh it's it's one of those hard hitting songs, but it really should like the vibrato that that uh Eddie plays with at the end of each, each sequence is just, I, I love it. There, there's, there's not a thing about this song. I don't love from, for the whole three minutes.
0: It, it's such a different song again. Uh-huh. I mean, this album is so diverse in its songwriting and its style that it's it, so it,
1: cohesive at the same. time.
0: Yeah. And you, you can't pigeonhole Van Halen into anything other than a really hard rock, heavy, a heavy rock band, you know, They're very creative. Yeah, and they're they're and they're just great. there to have a party, mm-hmm. you know. The song, I mean, just just you, like I said, you got to hand it to David Lee Roth. He's got some of the most interesting lyrics, where he just talks about the weirdest shit, <laughs> <laughs> and but he makes sense of it, you know. And that's the funny thing, you know. Eddie didn't Eddie never knew what he was singing. You you would ask Eddie what the words are, and he would have no idea because his concentration was the song. Uh, the playing of it, where David Lee Roth could basically sit there and say that he was, you know, flinging poo on a windshield, and Eddie probably wouldn't know, because it was that they were that distinct. You know, Eddie's concentrating on making sure the song is good, and David Lee Roth is making, you know, words up as he goes along.
1: Well, that was that was one thing that I feel was always special about the band was that all the all the players in the band were very talented, but also exhibited their talent. Throughout, I mean, that's why they always had. I mean, there was multiple reasons that we're all aware of that they they had their own solos during the concert, but uh, <laughs> that that was part of the 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 reason for those the solos was to really showcase, you know, that these guys were very talented.
0: Yeah, they definitely. I mean, Alex is a great drummer, you know, world class drummer, and mm-hmm. and and for all the negative press that Eddie gave to Michael, Michael Anthony was is is solid bass player. I mean, he's a great bass player and, and you can't,
1: uh, you can't, you know, ignore his contribution to the sound of Van Halen with his
0: vocals. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, he is the background vocal. And then when Sammy came along, you can hear it now on the circle. Mm -hmm. Michael and Sammy have such a unique combination to their voices that, it is amazing how those two voices mesh together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is incredible. Absolutely. I mean, better than Dave and, and 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 Michael, Michael and Sammy. It just the two of them are like beautifully linked together. Those two voices, and it always shows. I mean, some mm-hmm. of these, some of these, you know, uh, uh, quarantine sessions that they did with the circle. I mean, you could just, you can tell. Michael singing it's like oh my god you know this is this is the voice of Van Halen and it's like that's the that's the guy and it's it's always there I mean that voice is impeccable it's beautiful that Mm -hmm. that that background vocals that he does it's amazing
1: all right so the next track is feel your love tonight
0: add it to the category of diverse again you know it's It goes into... it. It's along the same lines as the Jamie's Crying and I'm the One, that style. Um, But, you know, it shows the band's lighter side. But it 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 still has that touch of, you know, this is a modern song, modern for those times in the 70s, late 70s.
1: Yeah, it almost has like a dance groove to it. Yes,
0: it does. And and um, there's that influence because even though, you know, disco's big at the time and this is not a disco song, there's a little bit there that says, yeah, it's a danceable song. Because, mm-hmm. you know, just a few years ago they were playing high school dances, you know? So, it tells you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway, the song is, is, you know, ton of harmonies. Dave doubles his vocals in a few spots. So, it's, it's a really cool song. I like that song a lot. Vocals on it are awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's kind of the, you know, we talk about a lot about ebbs and flows of albums and this is one of those things like you've you've gone from jamie's crying where there's just kind of a a somber song in a way to atomic punk which is very exciting and it, you know it's it's kind of blazing through the track now we're slowing things down not not in a somber way again but but just slowing things down and then we're heading into little dreamer ice cream man and on fire so you're getting you're getting like a flow you know a like a, almost like a curve that you would see on a a chart, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's so well put together.
0: Oh yeah, Little Dreamer is um. It's definitely it changes the pace of the album. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool about it, it's it's got a very edgy, dirty riff to it. Mm-hmm. And then the, obviously the story that Dave comes up with in the song is is unique for Dave. You know, it's it's a it's a pretty cool story. What I like the most about it is the soulful solo that Eddie plays on it. It doesn't go oh, crazy. Yeah. He, you it's can magnificent. S- And then there's a couple of times in that solo where he extends the the note, bends it a little bit, a la, Stevie Ray Vaughan, even though Ste.vie. Ray Vaughn is not famous at this time, but that's the way that's the kind of thing that Stevie would do. So yeah, something you can compare. It to right, that. exactly. And so you know that that's where you get that soulfulness that Eddie played with throughout his career. It wasn't just a million notes. There was a million notes, but there was a little bit of soul behind it.
1: A lot of bit of soul. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Eddie Eddie had had soul that he played with. He played with his heart, but he also played with his mind. There was a mixture there that that he it just he had a a, a raw talent, but at the same time, you could tell he invested the time and practice into really honing his craft. And he's he was just an incredible musician. He really was.
0: Absolutely. So then comes if 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 you're listening to this record and you get to this point in the album you got to think this is the end. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, Ice Cream Man seems I, like a you know, joke finished track.
0: Right. Ice Cream Man comes on, you, you you get this blues track um that's, you know, acoustic guitar, David Lee Roth just singing by himself in the, in the guitar. But then once he uh, gets to the end of his initial first verse it goes all out at that point the whole band kicks in and it is just it's on at that point Mm -hmm. Um, it's the second cover on the album it's one of these blues songs that's full of double entendres and you know david lee roth is is the king of the double entendres when it comes to this style of music and that that song Ice Cream Man is a super cool song, you know. Regardless of whether you know all the double entendres, even if you take it for what it is—straight up words—it's still a pretty cool song.
1: Oh yeah, it's a, it 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 lulls you into this sense that it's going to be this kind of jokey, silly song, which it is. But at the same time, once you like you said, once the band kicks in, it becomes a, like a rocking song, you know, like a another kind of danceable song.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And yeah. And it, it, it's it's good, but to me, ending on on fire is just badass.
0: Oh yeah, that that, that was the thing. Like you thinking, ice cream man, this has got to be the end of the album, and then all of a sudden, on fire comes on, and it's like, let's throw all of our skills into one song and do hell and hell and, just, yeah. <laughs> and do this insane song, which is it's a great song, you know, and it is basically rock and roll excess that is that is that song personified
1: yeah i mean every everybody's kind of pushing themselves to the limit on this track i mean the 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 vocals are in in the high high register <laughs> you've got you've got a lot of cool guitar work going on the drum drums i mean everything about it is really good and then of course the the melodies with um, or the the sorry not melodies the um harmonies with David and Michael, just awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's an incredible way to end an album. So you you go from this this um, quiet little intro where no one knows what's going to, what's going to come, and you end on this thing where it's just all out assault on everything that they they can do. You know, <laughs> skillfully, you get it all in one package, and like this is Van Halen. Good night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they you know their career takes off from that point um, less than a year later, they are back in the recording studio and they are recording Van Halen Two uh also released on Warner Brothers, also produced by Ted and Templeman, and also again recorded at Sunset Sound Recorders. It took three weeks to record the album. imagine that three weeks and it came out you know in less than three months you know I was listening That's crazy to, I, I was listening <laughs> to a podcast the other day. I was listening to something. It was Chris Jericho talking about ACDC's Back in Black. Bond dies in February, right? And mm-hmm. the album comes out in July. They record the album. They put all the artwork for the album, and they, they release the album in, in that short period of time. And so back in, you know, they said nowadays, you, you, you got to submit artwork almost six months ahead of time just for them to to, to make sure everything gets approved properly it's crazy how fast albums came back came out back in those days mm-hmm. and
1: well like we've talked about before the the whole touring circuit the social media all those things are an impact on today's music in in general and back then like they didn't you, you didn't know every aspect of a musician's life you know they didn't have to worry about social media they didn't have to worry be worrying about being followed around all the time you know, they, they were able to just focus on the music, and it, I'm sure it was great for the creative process, whereas now, there's so many facets that I can't imagine, you know, how it, how it affects their process.
0: Oh, uh, it, it, it's got to be insane. I mean, the one band that I can tell you who's been really, really consistent up until recently has been Queensryche, the Todd Tory version. version of Queensryche. The, mm-hmm. You know, they've released these three these last three albums uh, almost on a every two-year basis. Um the last one I think it took two and a half years almost. It it's it was just it was it was tour album tour album tour. And you know, they obviously now with everybody shut down, hopefully, you know, I mean it's gonna be an influx of music next year. I don't think anybody's gonna be able to afford it. Because there's going to be so much stuff <laughs> out there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for a lot of a lot of I, stuff coming out. I, I mean, uh, we'll talk more about these in coming episodes, but there, I mean, there's a lot of bands that I'm a fan of that I'm seeing they're working on stuff, and I'm just, I'm actually getting excited about music for the first time in a while. I mean, not music in general, but new music that's coming out in a yeah, while.
0: Ne- next year's going to be insane when it comes to music. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can't get any worse, I don't think, but, you know. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed that everything works out and you know, turn of the year things start to look up. All right, so Van Halen two comes out in nineteen seventy nine, like I said. So many of the songs on this album were already part of the repertoire that that Van Halen was playing live, and a lot of these songs were actually recorded on their demo that Gene Simmons helped them make back in nineteen seventy six, but they were left off for one reason or another. The album is slightly drier in sound than Van Halen One. Still clear and still recorded well, but there's that there's a little bit of dryness. obviously you can tell that it was done at a different time, but it's it, slightly different. Although again, still has that timeless sound to it because you can't pinpoint when this album was recorded, and it, it's it's awesome. So this is the first album I owned by Van Halen as I as I mentioned I bought it by accident thinking it was Van Halen one I put on the first song and much like running with the devil you're no good opens the album and that's a it's a cover song uh, another cover song this this was a song written by Clint Ballard jr. and it was a it was first recorded by Dee Dee Warwick in 1963 later that year it was re- recorded and became a hit single for Betty Everett that same year uh, as it's an interesting choice of songs for the band I, I don't really understand why they decided to go in this route to pick this particular cover you know when you, you got you really got me there's something like this is a party value to that song uh, ice cream man is a party value to that song that goes along with the rest of the album this song you're no good I don't. I don't know if it was something of a challenge for them to sit there and say, "Yeah, we could do a song like this, and we can make it our own." But I don't. It to me, the song, as good a version as they do of it, it does. It it doesn't make sense to me. But it has a lot of similarities to "Running with the Devil." It's a slow song, bass heavy, and it it, it intros the rest of the album. But it, it doesn't have eruption to come out after it like. Running, what the devil did? It's, it's kind I of... think
1: it's a good placement for the song on the album if it's if it's going to be on there. But I always kind of had the same reaction that you did, where it to me it's it's like the least entertaining song on the album, even though I do like it. But it's because it's the first track, and I and I love Van Halen so much, and I know what's coming. It, I don't skip it because it's it's one of those that you know it, it sets the the vibe you know, from the beginning, kind of like running with the devil is it, it's telling you this is, this is what, you know, this is what's coming. And then, and then just blows you away from there.
0: Right. And it, it builds, the song itself builds to the end. Uh, you know, I mean, it just doesn't go super fast or anything like that, but it builds. Yeah. But then you come to the song dance the night away after it, which changes the whole tone of the album and then dance the night away to me Kind of, it, it extends what was happening in Van Halen one, with the party vibe, mm-hmm. and, and the dance vibe that they got going on. This song is killer, you know. I, the background vocals, you know, it's it's in the, it's in the same vein as "I'm the One," "Feel Your Love Tonight" from the first album. It, it shows how Eddie and Dave, probably Dave more than Eddie, has that affinity for '60s style songs at this point. But Dan- "Dancing Night Away" is is a killer song you know, hit single for him at the time. So it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it fits in with a lot of the music that was coming out at the time. It's uh, it's very accessible and still showcases a lot of what, what you know, Van Halen was doing while still being, a you know, an e- easier dance song, you know, a club song in a way.
0: Right, exactly. But then they get down to the nitty-gritty with Somebody Get Me a Doctor. This is where you can see... This is the real songwriting style of, of Eddie. Songs like this one. Uh, songs like Ain't Talking About Love. Uh, you know, those, those, this song is awesome. I love this song. Uh, killer riff on this song. I, I mean, hands down, is one of my favorite Van Halen songs. Oh, wow. Well,
1: it, it's, for me, it's, it's where the album really takes off. You know dance the night of the Way is nice, I like it. you're no good is 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 good, um, but somebody give me a doctor's where it really picks up, and from there on, it just it grabs my attention and keeps it all the way through. This song is by no means my favorite on the album i i li- it's almost like for for me, they go in in order of the how much I like the song
0: yes, to, to exactly. Be-
1: yeah, it's like every song builds up more and more, and and I mean once you get to "Beautiful Girls," I love that song. <laughs> so so it just it, it's almost like they they laid them out like put your put your songs in order of your favorite, at uh, least favorite to favorite, and then and it's just the track listing.
0: Exactly, it's right. I mean, I say it's one of my favorite, but I didn't say that the rest of the songs weren't. And and yeah. it's, it's funny because each one, like you said, gets better and better and better. And this is this is why this is one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. by Van Halen. You go to the next song, Bottoms Up, and I mean that's all out fun song. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a drinking party song. You know, it's got a cool little clean intro riff, and then all of a sudden that drum that drum fill comes in and just boom, it's on. I love that song. I, I, these four guys are at this point they're just masters at their craft and they're just doing it and no, and no one can touch them at this point in 1979 there's not a lot going on and there's not a lot of people doing what they're doing you know it, yeah, there's a reason why they blew Black Sabbath off the stage during that tour
1: it's funny to say that two guy, or two guys four guys this early in their career are masters in their craft because um, I it almost feel like they're not they're, they're really talented, but they're also raw at the same time. So I'm not saying that you're wrong. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, at this point, they're not so polished. Exactly. But, they're, they're, but they are masters of, like, they're so focused on being great and what, and, and what their contribution is to the band that they are masters of their craft.
0: Exact, exactly, and, and it's weird it's because just, they keep getting better and better.
1: Yeah, it's just the lack of polish makes them even more exciting because they're raw but they're just really talented and well practiced.
0: Yes, definitely well practiced. Yeah. And then you get to Out of Love again. Man, what a cool ass riff that is. Mm-hmm. You know, this song is so full of swagger and attitude. It, it it's it's oozing Swagger and attitude
1: It's got Yeah it's got that same Kind of attitude As Atomic Punk mm-hmm. But it's got It's got an additional Like the word you use Was swagger And I would say That like that, That's exactly right
0: Yeah I mean Eddie's playing On this is filthy It's just so good You know And he has that Just There's a groove To the song They're all in the pocket Because you know Alex is drumming All over the place and, uh, but it's it's all tight between him and 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 Michael. They're super tight. But he's still just doing all these different things. But it's all still reined into this one song. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's it's a crazy good song. Love that song. And it keeps getting better.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah. So again, five tracks in, it's it just keeps getting better. And it's it's one of those those albums again that you don't need to skip a single track. And then Light Up the Sky, which is the first track on side two, is my favorite song on the album. It's, just, it's, it's that same kind of vibe as when you got to Atomic Punk, where it just it just punches you in the face. And then, you know, it's, it's a rock song. It's like truly a rock, rock song. It's, there's no ballad. There's no, you know, baby, baby sh- shit. I mean, it's just, it kicks your ass.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're on another level during this song. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, a cool cool riff. I have no idea what the words mean because it's it's out there for Dave. You know, it's 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 one of those things where he's like, "You know what Dave just sing." Just It's whatever. like the
1: <laughs> Ultimate Warriors promos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that song. And it's a great way to start off side 2 if you got the record. So it's it's really cool. And again, for me it's one of those things where if you if you play side two first by accident you know you don't realize that's how good that song is you're like wow this song, this album's starting out great you know
1: that was one thing that bands used to do is like basically they had to create two opening tracks for their releases because you're having two sides to the album so you need something that punches right from the beginning and so that way like there was a balance in in records where you know side from side one to side two there was they had to flow and then when t- side two started, it had to have to flow as well. So in this, you're getting as good, or I would say better. This is the better opening track of the album, for sure.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you can count countless albums like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll 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 talk more about other albums that way. But it's you're exact, you're exactly right when it comes to having to have two openers. Because you know, you, you, hey, when everybody flips side two over, what are we going to give them? And they gave them, yeah. light, they gave them light up the sky, and dude, it's, it's crazy. So then they s- slow it down, and they come up with Spanish Fly. And this is Eddie's acoustic answer to Eruption. He's like, oh yeah, I showed you what I could do on electric guitar, check this out. And he does the same, almost the same thing on acoustic guitar. And of course, yeah. you know,
1: not same thing. Like same song. No, like, <laughs> no, Same same uh, exploration of the instrument. Exactly.
0: He's he's doing the hammer ons. He's d- the two fingers all over the fret. I mean, it's it's all over the place as far as how good his skills are. And he's like, look, I could do it on electric guitar, and that's easy because you know you you, you do a hammer on on an electric guitar, and it's just the same as playing you know two notes, even though you're just doing one thing with one finger. Mm-hmm. But. Let me show you. what I can do it on a, on an acoustic, which is much harder, and it still sounds really cool. The dude is freaking genius. Yeah, and it's. I mean, just what he's doing is is incredible. You know. And then there's, there's, I don't know if it's Eddie at the end of the at the end of it, where he's just kind of like, hmm. He just there's like a little hum, at the end, <laughs> right yeah. at the end, like, uh you know, like he's done. But yeah, I love that. I love that song just because. It is the exact opposite of eruption, and just insanely as genius and good as eruption was.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really skillful in the same way, but it's soft. It, it, it's it's a little relaxing song in a way, even though it's all over the place on the guitar. It's very um, soothing.
0: Mm, yeah, it is. And then, in comes this killer tremolo dive from Eddie into doa and that riff is just dirty sludgy mean and nasty attitude all over it and it that song is just kick-ass i mean it's a hard hard hardly anything else to say but it's just kick-ass that song i love that song
1: yeah i i, I always had this one on my my quote-unquote uh, David Lee Roth era of greatest hits it's it's a great song the next three tracks to me are, are like I said before you know as the album builds up even though I say light up the sky is my favorite to me this is still just a continuation of that that build up build up build up and I mean going into women in love it's it's a, a song it's a ballad it's it's soft I mean it the subject is is you know women mm. uh, and parties but uh, it's, it's a soft ballad song that, uh, you know, kind of takes the pace a little slower again, but still, again, shows off amazing talent from these musicians.
0: Women in Love uh, is... Eddie loves to play harmonics mm-hmm. on the guitar. Now, for, for those people who don't know what harmonics are, it is the act of playing certain notes... At certain positions on the strings without pressing the note down onto the fret and it gives a different tone and a different sound that you don't typically get from playing a regular note it's really hard to describe it any other way for for someone who's not a, a musician or a guitar player of that sort every instrument has these um but for guitars you know certain songs you, you can pick them out uh there's not a lot in metal that do that 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 has that the the one song that comes to mind for me is metallica's welcome home sanitarium has it at the beginning but this one his you know little harmonic intro in, excuse me his little harmonic inch, intro really cool and he's one of the few guitar players that incorporates harmonics in so many different songs. It's just super cool because he, he's so, his dexterity is just insane. And, and his knowledge of the guitar is beyond compare, mm-hmm. you know? And, and funny thing is he's not even classically trained. He didn't train, you know, at, he didn't get, you know, someone show him how to play guitar. He just played.
1: Yeah, he's you know. one of those guys that uh that feels the music and has like we said earlier soul.
0: Yeah, he can't read a note. Can't read a single note. But yet he knows how to play. Better he, in in, in and I was reading today, he said that had he been classically trained, he would not play the way he plays today or the way he plays in general because it would have altered his thought process. Yeah. And so that, you know, thank God for not being trained in this particular case, because that's how much of a musical genius Eddie Van Halen is, or was. It's 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 absolutely insane to think about that he wasn't classically trained. No one showed him. He learned on his own, and was that good. Mm-hmm.
1: And one one other thing about this song that's so great is is not just like you said the harmonics of the the you know the way he's playing but the the harmony of, of again David and Michael the way they're singing together on this song it's so good
0: oh absolutely i mean it's you know it's not, and it's not just like a background vocal thing it's it's like the chorus they're together
1: they I mean, yeah they're singing together it's not it's not just background vocals right. like you said
0: yeah the one the one thing i wrote about this this song is all those one night stands all those crazy women <laughs> mm-hmm cool song and talking about crazy women we get to beautiful girls and what a fun song this is it's a blast it's so awesome i mean the 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 ability that dave has to sing this song and, and and put those words together is pretty pretty cool because it's 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 a modern day version of scatting but you actually can understand the words i mean the way he just Sings those words together. It's it's pretty cool. I I love the song.
1: So yeah, beautiful girls. I mean, it's just it's a fun song. It's a great way to end the album, and and it 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 just kind of shows that vibe that that Van Halen always had in both incarnations of the band. I mean, the, I guess kind of different in 1984, which I always felt was a little bit more mature in some places. In some places, hot for teacher. Not necessarily, but, <laughs> but, um, but this was always that party vibe, you know, this is this, uh, this song to me, like, I just always kind of felt like I'm on the beach, you know, and there's all these good looking women on the beach, you know, and you just ad- admiring and having a good time, drinking a beer. And this this is the, the song that exemplifies that to me.
0: Yeah. And what I love about this song is the way it ends on a kiss.
1: <laughs> it's, yes. That's
0: really cool. All right, so that brings us to the big four Van Halen albums for this week. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first?
1: I can't remember who went first last time. Do you remember?
0: I believe I went first for Amanomar. All
1: right. Okay. All right, so since you went first last time, I'll start with uh, my big four. And for mine, it's kind of an oddity, and we talked about this earlier, but... It was one album that, when I first got it, I just could not get into. And something by that, over time, I just really grew a love for this album. And that's Women and Children First. I like everything on this album. It's so experimental and different. And so one thing that was, that stuck out to me is, that I, even though I love Van Halen uh, 2 and I loved the first album, this one was different because it was almost like they, they, they didn't want to follow the same kind of formula they followed with those two albums and they had to do something different. And what they did was so out there, you know, everybody wants some has that really kind of interesting intro that like jungle kind of intro that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the cradle will rock. I mean, that's a, that's a great intro. That's kind of similar to stuff from the first album, but you got songs like Tora Tora that lead into loss of control they're they're all over the place here. Take your whiskey home. I mean, it's kind of a bluesy track. Could this be magic? Is something kind of like the ice cream man? You know, the, these you've got hints of of stuff that they did before, where they're they're still kind of following those those the, you know what they're great at, but there's also so much experimentation like fools and Romeo delight. I mean, it's all over the place, and I just over time I really grew an appreciation for this album. And uh, it's got to be my number four. Uh, For number three, uh, it's Van Halen 2. For all the reasons that we discussed when we were just talking about this, it's one of those albums that you start and it's good, but by the end it is phenomenal. It just grows and grows. It gets better with every track. I love the fact that it's got two great openers on side one and side two, and it's, it's phenomenal. For number two, I've got 1984. This was, you know, like I said before, Jump was the first song that I sung on karaoke. It got me out of my shell quite a bit, and there, there's just so many things going on here that I really enjoy. I love Panama. I mean, there's, there's not many harder songs by Van Halen than Panama. Um, the, the, the track that always kind of interested me that was so different than anything else was "I'll Wait," which was actually featuring um, what's his name?
0: Michael McDonald.
1: Michael McDonald. <laughs>
0: you know, such
1: a such a bizarre mixture in there. I mean, there's there's so many things that I I really love about this album. Hot for Teacher, what a great opening. Decide to, to that guitar. I mean, sorry, that drum intro is just mind blowing. I think most people, even if they're not a a, a super fan of Van Halen will know Hot for Teacher. I top Jimmy, I always thought that was a great song. Drop Dead Legs. It, it Drop Dead Legs feels like a a, a closer for, you know, the, the, the whole album. So to to, to kind of start from side one and close the album out and start heavy again with Hot for Teacher and end on House of Pain. What a killer album. I I liked the introduction of, of the synthesizer, you know, the the, the, the piano. I thought it was awesome. Um, No complaints about this album from me. Fifty One Fifty is my number one, and I've I've talked about this before. It's the first Van Halen album that I had. It's the first one that I really listened to. I remember watching Live Without a Net, and all those songs were on it. And it it was the one that really brought me into the fold as a fan, and you know, being that I was born in '86, the album came out in '86 there's a lot of similarities there. I think that that intro to the actual song 5150 was was the song that that just said, "Okay, I'm a fan." It it, it from beginning to end, I love this album. I love the the uh tracks like uh Get Up. What a what a great opener. Um Sammy's voice is I said opener, sorry. Good enough. What a great opener. I love Get Up though um dreams classic song love walks in what a great ballad best of both worlds i get that song stuck in my head all the time yes i, I can't say enough good about this album i i will always carry this as my favorite album and i i could easily pick most of the the, the rest of their discography as as my favorite albums by van halen because they're just all so good um I mean, we all know there's there's a couple hiccups there, but but man, what a great band!
0: Oh, absolutely. My big four Van Halen albums. A little different than yours, but then there are some similarities. I'm going to start off. My number four album from Van Halen is 1984. Uh, for many of the same reasons that you that you said about the songs, "Panama" is, is one of their biggest hits. Hop a teacher is is one of the, the one of the biggest videos ever to come out of MTV. Jump, you know, s- sent them into another stratosphere in terms of popularity. But for me, there's there's more to like from other albums. So that were that was my number four album in my big four. Number three for me is Fair Warning. And the reason why I like that album is because at the time that I got into Van Halen, the time that MTV came out, Van Halen had released the video for Pretty Woman, which was really odd <laughs> from, the, from the Diver Down album. But MTV was playing three videos, Unchained, Hear About It Later, and So This Is Love, that were from a live concert that was during the Fair Warning Tour. And those three videos, those three songs, are th- some of the best songs on that album, especially Unchained. Unchained is one of my favorite Van Halen oh, songs.
1: I love Unchained.
0: And yeah. that, th- that video just captured my attention. I mean, I, you couldn't find that, those videos anywhere else other than MTV. So I was almost like glued to MTV trying to see when I can see those videos again. And if I caught any one of those three, I was just like super happy. Uh, the ones I caught the most I mean they, they I mean, they played them on such a weird rotation you you could catch any of the three any, any time of day and it was super cool I think the one I saw the most was So This Is Love and that, that's one of the one of my favorite songs as well so fair warning when I got it and they had a couple of other songs on it that were just as good I was like hey you know what this is pretty neat album I like this so it became one of my favorite Van Halen records number two is Van Halen One what else can 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 be said but if you know compared to what we said earlier tonight i mean this album set the tone for what this band was going to be you know throughout their career it was an awesome awesome album you know it it was a it was a a time almost stopped when people heard eruption because you didn't know what you were hearing that's how good that was and so That it's my number two for only one reason. Well, for for a couple reasons. But the biggest reason is because number one for me is Van Halen 2. And that's because that's the first one I bought. But when I put it down head-to-head like we just did, and we didn't even mention this earlier tonight, so we can mention it now. I'm going to assume that you're going with Van Halen 1 as the better record.
1: Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. You know, I think for its historical value, for what it did when it came out, and, you know, it, it just being one of those those turning points in music, I think I have to pick Van Halen one. I, I mean, it's hard. It's a toss-up for me. Like, picking a big four out of their, their catalog is tough oh yeah uh, and I have to go with what over the years affected me the most but just thinking like kind of from a different perspective this time and saying you know which one really had the the bigger impact which one is is you know the raw and, and really showed off this band that, that was becoming something I think we have I mean at least I do have to pick Van Halen one this time
0: right I hear you completely so I, it is my number one big four song, big four album, excuse me. It is what I consider to be the better album of the two, in my opinion, because to me, front to back, the songs outdo all the songs that are on Van Halen 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my opinion. You know, that's our opinion. You know, this is what this show's all about. Other than You're No Good, to me, the other nine songs just are killer. Oh yeah. For on sure. on Van Halen 1, for me there's a couple of misses even though they're all, they're, they're really good. There there's a, a couple of misses that to me even though and let me let me take it back. They're not even misses so much as they're they're just not to me not as good as songs that are on Van Halen 2. To me to me they just they up their game song-wise because they they didn't have as many uh covers even though they had this, I think they had the same amount of original songs on there. It's just that their original songs of Van Halen Two to me are better than the ones on Van Halen. So yeah. So for me, the number one album for the Big Four is Van Halen Two.
1: All right. Well, that's it for debating metal this week. We took a detour this week to pay our respects to one of the most influential guitarists of, of all time. But we'll be back next episode with our previously planned concept of In Flames Colony versus Clayman. Tune in next week for another great debate. Thanks for all the great tunes, Eddie, and always remember to turn it up to 11.
0: See ya. <laughs>